This is Lego Football. This is the Serie B edition. You're with David Farini, your Lega football host, and I'm joined by Andy Wallace and also Giancarlo Rinaldi. A very special time of season. It is the Serie B top eight finalizing the passage through to Serie A. Frosinone and Genoa have both been promoted to Serie A for next season in 2023-24. And now this is the business end and the part we love the most. It's the Serie B playoffs. Some of you will be wondering why they even exist. Why is there a top eight? in the Italian second division. Can the team that actually finishes eighth in Serie B end up confronting a Milan or Inter at the San Siro a few months later to carve out their place in cultural history? Let me take you through the Dummies Guide to Serie B promotion that will give everyone a clearer insight into the mechanics of the top eight. Now, this is from a piece that I put together about a year ago. So we'll take you through the process. Firstly, the three bottom clubs of Serie A are demoted. So far, we've already seen Cremonese and Sampdoria. They are confirmed to be playing in the Italian Serie B next season. They'll be replaced by the three best performing clubs contesting Serie B this season. And there are four teams that go from Serie B to Serie C. We'll get into that a little bit later on. So going back to the 2020-21 season, Empoli and Salernitana finished first and second and were automatically promoted. The points gap between Monza third and Venezia fifth was five points. So Venezia actually end up going up here don't get it confused with last season where Monza went up after winning the final. Venezia won the final of 2020-21. So let's dive in and find out why Monza or Lecce, who finished third and fourth, didn't just simply go up to Serie A as the next best teams. So promotion to Serie A, as repeatedly stated, the top two automatically promoted. Then third to eighth can potentially eliminate one another until only one of them remains, thus qualifying for the last spot in the next season of Serie A. In 2020-21, Venezia 5th defeated Cittadella 6th, 2-1 on aggregate in that playoff final. Let's investigate how 5th can end up playing 6th for the last spot in Serie A. Importantly, the third place team is only automatically promoted, you have to remember this, to Serie A only if they are 14 points or more ahead of the fourth place team ending the hopes or the playoff hopes in general of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Using that example from a couple of seasons ago, third place Monza, 64 points, finished two points above Lecce, fourth place with 62 points. Therefore, Monza could not be automatically promoted. Chievo, Brescia, and Cittadella rounded out the top eight alongside Venezia, the Lagunari, clinching the final spot by winning that playoff from fifth. That's quite incredible. Monza third, Lecce fourth were the highest ranked teams of the six clubs that disputed the playoffs and therefore they sit out the first preliminary elimination round. So they kind of have a bye where they wait for fifth and eighth to play each other, sixth and seventh to play each other. If it's drawn after 90 minutes in sixth versus seventh and fifth and eighth, extra time is played. If scores are level after extra time, the club with the best ranking wins. That's fifth or sixth in this case. There are no penalty shootouts in the Serie B playoffs. So back then, Venezia in fifth, they knocked out Chievo, who were in eighth at the time, 3-2 at the Penso. Cittadella eliminated Brescia just by one goal to nil at the Tombolato. The semifinals are over two legs. The third plays the winner of sixth and seventh, while fourth plays the winner of fifth and eighth. I hope you're still with me. The second leg is always at the home stadium of the best placed team in the regular season which is third or fourth. In the event of a drawn scoreline after 180 minutes over the two legs, the team best position in the Serie B standings, they qualify for the final and no extra time is played. 
the away goals rule also does not apply to the semifinals. Monza back then were in third. They drew Cittadella in the second round and the Biancorossi went out 3-2 on aggregate. Lecce, fourth, was stunned by the unfancied Arancionero Verdi, Venezia, 2-1, setting up a fifth versus sixth playoff. Then came the Serie B playoff final. The winner of the semifinals, the winners, the two winners, play home and away matches. The latter at the home of the best place club in the league. There is no away goals rule. In the case of a tied aggregate, at the 90th minute of the second leg, the points that the two finalists obtained during the regular season are evaluated. The higher placed team advances. If it's still level, it goes to extra time. Only if it's still drawn after extra time, the penalty shootout will take place. So these are the rules. Taking the example of 2019-20 in that Serie B season, Spezia and Frosinone were level 1-1 at full time of the second leg. And even though the aggregate scoreline was 1-1, Spezia was promoted. It was Vincenzo Italiano's Aquilotti, ended the home and away season in third place, superior to Frosinone's, back then managed by Alessandro Nesta, who finished in eighth place. So what Serie B wants to do by implementing these rules is that they want the lower place team to attack to attain promotion to Serie A. So I'm glad that we've been able to decipher the mechanics of the Serie B playoffs together. Time for some Serie B magic. You've earned it. But just before we do that, let's go have a look at the Serie B relegation. It's also very simple to comprehend. Four clubs are relegated to Serie C, the Italian third division. Those that finish in the bottom three places, 18th, 19th and 20th, are automatically sent down, while fourth last and fifth last this year, it's Brescia and Cosenza in 16th and 17th. They will contest the playout spot, which is happening on Thursday, May 25th. The loser becoming the final and fourth club to be demoted. However, there is a rule where if 16th finishes four or more points ahead of 17th during the regular season, then the playout is void and 17th automatically goes down to Serie C. Now, if the playout is required, which it is this season, 16th and 17th, they are paired in a two-legged series with a home field advantage in the second leg going to the higher ranked 16th place side. Lega B also gives a couple of advantages to the higher placed 16th place. Obviously, the team with the higher aggregate score remains in Serie B. The loser becomes the fourth team that goes down. Should an aggregate tie exist at the end of regulation play of the second leg, 16th place, they are saved. 17th place, they are demoted. Unless both clubs concluded the season on equal points, in which case there will be an extra time and then a penalty shootout if still level. So the advantages of the Serie B top eight becomes a much more exciting league to watch. The playoff series is kind of like a mini season right at the end, like a knockout cup series. Hope is given to lesser known yet ambitious clubs. There is a butterfly effect as each club is incentivized to sign better players as well. It's not just the biggest clubs in Serie B that will try to get promoted. You can still finish seventh or eighth and with a big chance, just like we saw in previous years where Venezia from fifth contested Cittadella in a final that finished sixth. And even those clubs freshly promoted up from Serie C, such as Bari, such as Sud Tirol and Palermo, they were all in the mix for Serie B playoffs this year and two of them have qualified. We'll get into that a little bit later. Those clubs freshly promoted from Serie C, they have a sporting chance to make the top eight with little to no investment almost. So take Parma back in 2016 and 18, Napoli in 2005, to 2007, Benevento 2015 to 17. These were clubs that were promoted over two consecutive years from the third division and up, bouncing right up to the top in Serie A. 
more reasons to watch Serie B. Just look at the FIFA Under-20 World Cup. There are some players coming through from the lower divisions, not just Serie B, but also the third division. If you love watching the Azzurri succeed at international tournaments, Serie B is for you. Look at the Azzurini, the under-21s for Italy under Paolo Nicolato. He picks a large portion of his squad from Serie B. We've seen Ocoli, Lorenzo Luca, Fagioli, Carnesecchi, Colombo, Brescianini, Mulatieri, Ferrarini, uh, also Granocchia, Fagioli, Gaetano, all these players coming through. We've seen Davide Fratesi light up the second tier at Monza before switching over to his current Serie A club at Sassuolo. Sandro Tonali was at Brescia. Who could forget Salvatore Schilacci from the uh, old retro glory days of Serie A, Serie B? The Sicilian was catapulted from the second division with Messina to Trapattoni's Juventus and then into the Italian 90 World Cup team in just 12 months. So the nostalgia is there. Also, everybody that followed Calcio in the 90s and noughties, they know that there's such a glorious history in the Italian second division. It's a breeding ground for coaches of the future as well. We've seen the World Cup 2006 winners, Fabio Grosso. He has led Frosinone up to the top. Pippo Inzaghi is contesting the playoffs in charge of Regina. We've seen other former Serie A greats, Fabio Pecchia with Parma now. He led Cremonese up last season. Giovanni Stroppa up and down the leagues. Pepe Iacchinis, Roberto Stellone, Christian Brocchi, Cannavaro. Fabio Cannavaro has also been in charge of Benevento this year. We've got Alberto Giladino, who just led Genoa up back to the Paradiso of the Italian top flight. So while European glory is perpetually dreamed of by Italy's top clubs, the honour of Serie A status remains for another 100 clubs around the peninsula. It's just that honour of going up to the top flight is enough for them Clubs like Salenitana, clubs like what we've seen now with Frosinone, Benevento, Spal and Perugia, all former Serie A clubs. They've been demoted to the third division. So this is the strength of the lower divisions in Italy. On this pod, we've got Giancarlo Rinaldi of the Rigore pod and also Andy Wallace, who is a Serie C, Serie D enthusiast. Of course, he follows the top leagues as well, but he is the voice of the lower divisions and some of the smaller Cittadini, the smallest cities of Italy. He loves that nostalgic feeling of the Fodgers and so on. We're going to get into the playoffs where it is Sutirol who are hosting Regina and Cagliari who are hosting Venezia. We're not going to really talk about Bari and Parma today. They finished third and fourth in the Serie B standings. We will talk about some of the other clubs that have missed out, but just a brief mention for them as we go down the Classifica I will just mention, with Bardi finishing third, Parma has finished fourth. And on match day 38, the MVP of the day, we've interviewed him here on the Legapod before. He's a young Italian-Australian that plays at the back for Parma under Fabio Pecchia this season. That is Alessandro Circati. Do scroll down the platforms wherever you're listening and go and have a listen to the young defender. He's been part of the Azzurini setups at an international level as well. So beyond the top eight, Palermo just missed out on the final day, match day 38, with Canotto's late goal for Regina that sent Palermo out of the eight. They finished level with Venezia on 49 points, but ninth overall. Matteo Brunori, one of the stars of Palermo yet again this season, but they look set, the Sicilians, for a big push for next season as well. Perhaps just a little underdone coming in. Modena in 10th, Pisa in 11th, Ascoli in 12th, Como in 13th, Tadnana in 14th, and Cittadella surviving again. 
So the Granata are still there for a, another shot at Serie A glory. They missed out in that final against Venezia a couple of seasons ago. Now Brescia and Cosenza, they are the two play outsides. We will talk about those two. We're not going to really talk about Perugia, Spal and Benevento. We wish them all the best for next season. We're not going to talk about them in this pod that much, apart from Andy Wallace, who I will ask a question to. Also, why is Serie Beach so attractive to people that don't like just big teams winning all the time? Well, the rest of us, we do like a level playing field, or a more level playing field. We're all about merit as well. And some of these clubs that bounce around the leagues, it's just simply because they don't have the support or the sponsorships or the money. Entrepreneurial investment. The last couple of Serie B seasons have been absolutely sensational. Viewerships around the globe are ever increasing, going live into the UK, USA, Asia. Fans adoring the likes of Gigi Buffon, who would lead Parma into these playoffs. Massimo Corda, who helped Genoa now go up to Serie A. There's veterans like Cesc Fabregas, Jeremy Menez, Giuseppe Rossi bouncing around. We've got Serie B young players that have made a fist of it in Serie A this season. Gianluca Gaetano at Napoli, Nicolo Fagioli at Juve, Marco Canasecchi uh, went back with Cremonese, Federico Gatti to Juventus, Caleb Ocoli to Atalanta, Lorenzo Luca leaving Serie B to play in the Eredivisie with Ajax from Pisa, Strefezza led Lecce up last season. Uh, as for Monza, that is the proof of the quality that Serie B produces with Churia, Berindelli, Di Gregorio, Dani Motta, Carlos Augusto. Now let's go to this season. We're talking... Gianluca Lapadula, Joel Poyampalo, Adrian Benedizac, Roberto Insigne, Giuseppe Caso, Albert Gudjonsson, Wally Kedira, the list goes on, Davide Dio of Modena, Rafael Odogu of Sutirol, Hernani, Mancuso, Forte. Let's look at these playoff fixtures now. These are the one-off knockout games where the higher finisher hosts the match. The lower-ranked team must win it. Any draw will result in a higher-ranked side going through to the semi-finals. And the same rule applies there. Venezia are under Paolo Vanoli. They have Joel Poyampalo, 19 goals, 7 assists in 37 league matches. He signed from Bayer Leverkusen, formerly of Rizespor in the Turkish Superliga with 16 goals last season. Union Berlin, Hamburg and Dusseldorf. He's only 28 years old. He's from Finland. Another Finn, Jesse Joronen, is in goals for the Arancio Nero Verdi. Andrea Carboni in defence, Francesco Zampano, the three Americans, Gianluca Buzio, Tana Tessman in midfield, and Andrea Novakovic in attack, Dennis Jonsson, Nicolas Pierini having great seasons there in good form. And of course, the super sub, Dennis Cheryshev, the Russian World Cup star from 2018, who joined Venezia last summer, former Valencia and Real Madrid midfielder. This is the calibre of player that we have in the second division. Now, they are up against Cagliari. They travel to Sardinia and Gianluca Lapadula finished this season as the Serie B top scorer in the regular season of 38 match days. 21 goals and four assists. He's in his debut season at Cagliari. That's nine more than the last season at Benevento. In fact, it's his best season since his 30-goal haul for Pescara in 2015-16, which caught the attention of Milan Genoa Lecce, 33 years old, now playing his international football for Peru but more importantly, at club level, still in Italy and attempting to lead Cagliari up straight back up. We'll all remember that Cagliari were relegated last season on that final day when Salenitana, they lost at home to Udinese, but Cagliari just couldn't find a goal. And some of you will remember it was actually Venezia who were already relegated on the final day of last Serie A season. They held the line and dragged Cagliari down into Serie B with them. They had nothing to play for except for pride. And they made sure that Cagliari couldn't score. And it, I guess it's a 
a case of instinctive drowning response. You pull everyone down around with you when you can. So that will play in the back of some of these Kaliri players' minds. We'll have a look at the previous couple of games in this Serie B season between the two clubs. It was a nil-nil draw last time out in Venezia. But before that, Venezia actually won in Cagliari. 4-1. Mancozu actually got Cagliari to the lead. Poyampalo scored. Cherishev with a double. Haps with a goal to round off the second half. Huge second half there where Venezia scored four. Cagliari still with a quality lineup. Uh, they kept some of the players from Serie A last season. They've got Zappa still, Altare. They have Dayola, Nathan Nandes, Gaston Pereiro, Mancozu, Pavoletti. These are some big names. And still, Gianluca Lapodula is the Serie B leading goal scorer for this season. I spoke to Giancarlo Rinaldi from the Rigore Pods. So with Giancarlo having really good knowledge on Serie B and Venezia in particular, as they cover that a lot on their pod, I really recommend everyone to go and listen to that whenever they can. I asked him, Venezia was rock bottom at the beginning of the season. How would you best describe their rise back into playoff form over the past few months? I think Venezia's revival was just one of those gripping stories that Serie B often provides. They they started the season looking like a team that was ready to make the double drop from Serie A down to Serie C, really without a clue and, you know, pretty much without hope. But a change of manager really was the catalyst to their recovery. I think they brought in Paolo Vanoli and after that they started to have a recognisable shape and a pattern and a real team spirit about them. I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think, you know, obviously Poyam Paolo, the goal scorer, steals the headlines, but they're not a team of superstars. But what they have got is a game plan that they play to and it's recognisable. And so to sneak in very, very late in the season. They're an underdog, Venezia, that nobody will fancy playing. I always think it's something of an advantage to a team to creep into the playoffs at the last minute. Teams that have been there all the time have maybe been dreaming of automatic promotion, but that was never a prospect for Venezia. And, um, you know, now that they've sneaked in there, I don't think anyone will fancy playing them. And certainly, you know, if they do get through this, even just getting to it, Vanoli deserves an awful lot of credit. And your thoughts on Poyan Palot, last month's MVP, could be this month's Serie B MVP as well for those four goals he scored against Modena. Him up against Lapadula, who will probably win the overall MVP award for the whole season. The battle of the heavyweights. Any advantages or areas that will play into the hands of one team or another, Giancarlo? It's a mouth-watering prospect to see Poyan Palo and Lapadula go head-to-head in this playoff game. I mean, they've both been prolific this season. Obviously, Poyan Palo's goals are a bit more in the second half of the season as Venezia have hit for Lapadula right through the season. Um, very different types of player, you know, um, Boyan Palo, a much more physical presence, just a, a very, you know, a, a typically Scandinavian, I suppose, player, very committed, great attitude. Uh, Lapadula, a, a bit more subtle in his skills, perhaps a bit more traditionally European, if you like. Um, so it's a it's a great matchup, and I think that just adds extra juice to the to the game. I don't know, you know, in terms of advantages for one side or another. It's hard to say. In the season, Venezia had the advantage. They won 4-1. The other game was a draw. So, you know, history kind of favours Venezia. But I don't think we can take too much for that when you go into a playoff game. 
that kind of goes out the window. So, you know, I, I don't think we can take too much from that. I do feel Cagliari probably have greater depth to their squad and that could be a help um, to them getting through. But as I say, momentum is with Venezia, although Cagliari finished the season very strongly as well. So, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult one to call. You, you'd age, as I say, towards Cagliari simply on the, the strength of the squad that they've got. I think they seem to have more players with kind of a Serie A pedigree about them. But the Serie B players have shown in the past that you can rip up the form book. Yeah, absolutely. It's so unpredictable and it's such a level playing field. As I was saying at the top of the show, the winner takes on Parma home and away in the semi-final. Yeah, it's one of the vagaries of the Serie B and trying to get into Serie A through the playoffs that, you know, it's a very tough route if you finish. Um, if you sneak in at the bottom end of the playoffs, you've got effectively a knockout game to get into the playoffs proper and then you've got two home and away ties potentially to make it there. So the team that gets to Serie A really deserves it. The Parma is a tough obstacle on the path of either Scaliari or Venezia, whoever gets through. I mean, we know Parma have some top quality players and, you know, are, are likely to represent a very difficult task for either side to defeat. But having said that, you know, I, I sometimes think I question how much of an advantage it is to sit and wait and not have a game uh, for another team. We've seen it before where teams that are actually playing games come into a game in form where a team that's been sitting waiting doesn't always have that form, you know, they've been sitting worrying about the game for a couple of weeks. So that can that can play on the mind. And also being the favourites as well in a in a playoff is never or is often not such an advantage. As I say, Parma looking at them, you would think they had the squad that could go back to Serie A. But these other teams will have played games that are up for it. And you know, especially if they get an early goal, I think that can start the nerves jangling. And, and anything can happen. And, you know, the beauty of Serie B really is its unpredictability. And, you know, I wouldn't want to be a betting man trying to guess who was going to win the playoff, be it Parma Cagliari or Parma Venezia. Thanks, Giancarlo. Moving right along, it is Sutiro hosting Regina in the other knockout playoff. It is sixth against seventh. This will be at Sutiro's home ground. They are coached by... Pierpaolo Bizzoli and it is Filippo Inzaghi in charge of Regina. These are two sides that have one win apiece when they met their head-to-heads throughout this season. 4-0 for Regina at home, but then 2-1 for Sutirol at home. And uh, that was, on that occasion, a dog woo with a brace to get the team from Bolzano the win. Jeremy Menez, the French ex-veteran from uh, the likes of Milan and also PSG and Roma, Monaco and so on. He's now in his third season at Regina. He's 36 years old now. The team also has the likes of Giovanni Fabian, who is a 20-year-old midfielder, eight goals in 36 appearances and one assist in uh, his loan spell. He's on loan from Inter. So plenty of talent across the board. There's also the likes of Matsoki for Sudtirol, Rover, Fabian Tate, the club captain. Uh, we've got the goalkeeper Poluzzi, Maziello. You remember him from his stints with Genoa and Atalanta. Bari as well. Sutiro with a better defence compared to Regina. 
34 goals conceded throughout this season by Sud Tirol compared to 45 for Regina. Regina with a better attack though, 49 goals against Sud Tirol's 38. They have the weakest attack in the top eight, but they also have one of the best defenses. Of course, Frosinone finished with 26 goals conceded, Genoa with 28, but then it is Sud Tirol and Parma. Sud Tirol finishing six, but they had a bit of a a fall. They were in the top four for so long, but right at the end of the season, some poor form that saw them win just one of their last eight league games. That was a 1-0 away win over Ternana. Regina coming to this with two wins in the last three games. They beat Como at home 2-1. They lost away at Bari 1-0, but they beat Ascoli 1-0 at home, that was the all-important goal from Luigi Canotto in the 94th minute. Now, that goal is also part of Serie B's promotion for the playoffs, so we will have that in this pod as well right at the end. It is in Italian. A bit of commentary as well from yours truly. Uh, I was also lucky enough to be part of the Serie B judging panel for the MVP of the month of May. I'll now welcome Andy Wallace to the pod. He's known as Chiacchierata Calcistica on Twitter. Bit of a mouthful, and you'll all know him from his amazing tweets regarding Serie C and Serie D's heavily immersed in the playoffs. Thank you for joining, Andy. I do have a few questions for you for this pod, and we will kick it off with the question, did you expect Palermo, Bari and Sud Tirol to do this well in Serie B this season after coming up fresh from the third division? Obviously, the sides who, who came out last season from Serie C have enjoyed a, an excellent season in, in Serie B. And I don't think that's entirely unexpected. I think that's something that we, we have tended to see in recent years. There's this feeling that often you talk about how uh, how Serie B is a kind of Serie A do it. And there's the same line of thought about Serie C with the top few teams in Serie C. There is, isn't much of a drop off there from the, the bottom few in Serie B and clubs like Bari, Sutirol and Modena, who were those three of them there this season. Uh, last season they, they had to fight really hard and, and, and make sure they were winning on a on a weekly basis. To get out of that division, they were involved in quite a you know exception to Bari, they were all involved in very tight title races. Uh, so I think that helps them come into this season knowing that you know they, they have to be up for it every single week. And those teams have, have quality. I didn't mention Palermo there, obviously, who, who were kind of late developers uh, last season, came through the playoffs. And players like Matteo Brunori, you can see how, how quickly he's able to adapt to Serie B football. I think you're you're playing against defences in Serie B that aren't too different from what you're playing against in Serie C. I think you can also see that through you know some of the, the players who have come straight from uh, Serie B in defensively as well, like Giovanni Zaro uh, at Sutirol, uh, who was a stalwart last season to the team, and this season seems to be just as strong, if not stronger, in, in Serie B. That's the case of, of most of the players who, who have come through. But I didn't expect, I think it was predictable that all of those four teams would perform well this season, especially because you have Palermo, who have obviously backing from, from the Middle East. You have Modena, who who also have strong local backers. But with Sutiro in particular, it looked probable that they would continue to perform. It's obviously based on good defence last year. But the start of the season, when they had that managerial change, when they brought in Lamberto Zauli, who just seemed an odd fit at that time. Uh, and they did the right thing, obviously, in sacking him pre-season before he could even get to work. So I think their development 
since Pierpaoli uh, Bisoli came in has been surprising. But obviously the, the components were there before. And similarly with Palermo, the whole debacle with uh, Silvio Baldini over the summer, it seems likely that that might derail them to some point. And it probably has. Probably if, if Baldini had stayed, they probably would have uh, got into the playoffs at least. But as I say, I mean, Serie B is already full of teams that have come up from Serie C in previous years. Because you've got Regina there, you've got um, Como, Ternana, all teams who have made an impression after coming up, a lot of them with a quite strong financial backing. And I think that will continue to be the case. Next season, obviously, you have a very strong Catanzaro side who, who are coming up, who are owned by, by a very wealthy local uh, businessman. And I think they'll even if they keep most of their Serie C team and don't add much, you have players like Yemelo and Yari van der Poot who will be able to make an impression in, in Serie B. I think that's true with the other teams who have come up as well. I think Feralpi Salo, they're very astutely managed by Stefano Vecchi, a former uh, Inter assistant. He'll be, be staying next season and I think that'll be quite a, uh, an interest. I think they, they tend to recruit very very intelligently. Quite looking forward as well to, to their game against Sudtirol. Certainly where, when they were in Serie B, they had, the Serie C, they had a, a few ding-dong battles, even though you, you couldn't really call it a, a local rivalry because it's a couple hours drive. But um, certainly th- there are a lot of similarities between those two clubs. So that should be quite a, a, quite a tasty affair. And then obviously the, the other... A team promoted from Serie C, Reggiana, team promoted directly. They've also been uh, you know, an excellent side for a couple of years. Very well managed by Amodiana, even if there's some doubt about where, whether he will continue. But as well, they have, they have quite a strong core, though. I think they'll have to improve it. But I'm looking forward to seeing guys like Guglielmo Motti, the rampaging right wing back next season in Serie B. I think, they, I think all three of those should be able to, to stay up. I think the bottom of the Serie B as well, you always have a couple, a couple of struggling teams who either you don't expect to be there or who kind of have it coming. You know, teams like even teams like Ascoli, even though they, they always finish in the, the higher echelons, it always seems like they're just a, a just a season from, from oblivion. So I would expect that to, to continue uh, next season as well. Let's take a look at the teams going down from Serie B. That is Perugia, Spal and Benevento. A couple of those big shock the other two sides involved in the playout, that is a home and away leg between fourth last and fifth last, the final relegation spot. We will know that next week. It is Cosenza hosting Brescia in the first leg. The two previous times they played each other this season, it was 1-1 in Calabria and then Brescia was able to beat Cosenza at home. So very tight during the season. Brescia, you would think, would be the slight favourites, although Cosenza are the masters of survival. Somehow they keep their spot in Serie B one way or another. Quality amongst the bottom half of Serie B. A lot of the players still remaining with Brescia from last year's push when they made the playoffs to try and get up to Serie A. They were knocked out by Monza on the way. Very tough situation for them last year. La Leonessa looking for survival. Andranacci in goal. Aye up forwards. Huard Bisoli, the son of Pierpaolo. That is uh, uh, Dimitri Bisoli, and he's the Brescia captain, 29 years old. 
not having the season he had last season, but very, very hard with his pressure outfit, just not in form. Chistana's still there. Mangraviti at the back. So that's very important for them. For Cosenza, they have that young, dynamic Marco Nasti on the left side of attack. Uh, he is a player and a half. He's on loan from Milan. He's only got four goals this term, but it's his first season. It's his breakout season in senior football. He's only ever played in under-19s at the Rossoneri. So let's see what he can do. Dorazio at left back. Mikai in goal. Weizenen at the back with, with Meroni. Brescianini in the midfield. He's another young player that we've seen come through and play for the Italian under-21 side. Three goals in 37 games. He spent last season with Monza. And he's also another Milan youth product. So they play out a second chance for both Cosenza and Brescia to stay up. With the relegation playoffs coming up in Serie B, there's a kind of feeling in Serie C that this match doesn't really matter for two reasons. I think, first of all, there's a sense that Cosenza are relegation-proof. That It doesn't matter what, what happens to them, they'll, they'll end up playing in Serie B next season, either because they'll, they'll beat Brescia in the playoff, or there's a, an inevitability. We felt that something will stop either of those teams being relegated, that they're only playing off you know, on the, on the theoretical chance that they'll be relegated was uh, this idea that something will happen either to Sampdoria or to uh, Regina that would uh, block relegation from from that spot. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to imagine Cosenza uh, down, down in Serie C next season. Uh, and I, I think from a sporting standpoint as well, you want them to stay in Serie B as well because of that rivalry they have with, with Catanzaro. Which, which would be, be great to see in, in Serie B next season. Brescia as well, you would have to see how they, how they handle uh, a year down in Serie C if it were to, to happen. You do quite regularly get these, these big sides, although Brescia would be, be quite a, uh, that'd be quite a fall from, from, from grace for them. Andy, what are your thoughts on the demotions of Spal, Perugia and Benevento? Coming down from Serie B into Serie C, Obviously, three sides have been confirmed, Spal, Benevento and Perugia. And there's quite a lot of concern about how they're going to approach next season in Serie C. With Joe Tacopina at Spal, there were some concerns that he would jump ship. But it looks like uh, they're building a, a project to go straight back up. And if, for example, Cesena come through the playoffs, that would get rid of one of their biggest rivals the, the coming season. And you would think... That obviously Serie C is a very difficult league to to win. But that central section, uh, there's at least a path to to get back up for them. Uh, although they will, in all likelihood, have Perugia there as well in the same section with them. So that'll be uh, that'll make things a lot more difficult for them. At Perugia as well, there's some unrest as well with the council not happy at, at, at the ownership. But you would hope that that gets settled before the, the start of the new season. Also at Benevento, there was a lot of talk last summer about the owner stepping down, which didn't happen in the end. And they'll, they're in a, a very tough group, I think, at least on paper, in Serie C, where as well as having uh, strong teams there, Crotone are still there, for example. And you have big clubs like you know, Foggia, you have Catania coming into the league. Then that is not an easy league to get out of at all. Then Evento as well, it's a strange situation where their ownership seems to be in cahoots with that of Potenza, who uh, the team from Basilicata, who are in the same section with them, but probably they'll manage to uh, kind of get around that 
in some way. So certainly, I think next season as well, depending, nothing will be definite until probably July or August. And there's talk of Atalanta under 23s coming in the league and things like that. But I think, again, as, as usually is, I think the, uh, the southern section will be the one to watch. So, yeah, it won't be easy for Benevento. You know what it's like with teams coming down to Serie C. They have a couple of years where they're able to sustain themselves and try to fight back, get back into Serie B. Otherwise, doubts start to rise about their, about whether they can can survive on a long-term basis. So those that first season in particular, the first two seasons are, are extremely important for those teams who come down. Spal, Benevento and Perugia on the way down. We have three teams to replace them already. Catanzaro, Ferrapi, Salo and also Catanzaro. Still one promotion place in Serie C. The Serie C playoffs are also happening happening right now. Andy, tell us more about that. Who do you think is going to come up? So the final will be on the 13th and 18th of June. If Chisena were to come through their quarterfinals and semi-final ties, then they would have home advantage in the second leg, which would be would be an extraordinary atmosphere, certainly. I think anyone who experienced or who watched Palermo's playoff victory last season knows how great an atmosphere can be created even at that level with the excitement that you have going into it and Chisena certainly have a massive crowd who will be able to uh, get behind them if they get that far uh, and I think any of those teams would be a great addition to, to Serie B certainly Chisena have uh, American money behind them and they've shown that they, they seem to be able to manage that that well Crotone and and Intel have, have been there before um, I think probably you would say that Chisena are best repaired there. Pescara as well, if they're if they're able to uh, hold on to some of their, their talent from this season. So we're in for uh, quite an exciting next couple of weeks. Mouth-watering in Serie C. I guess we call these the Serie C playoffs as well. It is the Serie D sides making their way up to the third division. Those playoffs happening at the moment. Foggia with an incredible comeback to get through to the next stage. Andy, take it away. Serie C playoffs have been underway for a couple of weeks now. Uh, obviously, it's quite a, a bloated tournament. So it starts with 28 teams, and that's been slowly uh, or quite quickly actually whittled down to uh, the current eight teams. Uh, so in the quarterfinal stage just now, there, there are a few a few big names with a, a Serie A pedigree, and I'll touch on those in a, in a moment. In the first couple of rounds, I think the big stories were the successes of, of Virtus Verona, who beat Padua. Um, and Audace Cerignola, a team from, from Puglia, who also uh, started very well, whose home, home form has, has always been exceptional. And they were involved in probably the, the, the tie of the, the latest round, um, the round which took place on last Thursday night and, and Monday night. It's a two-legged affair. And that's, I think, when, when it felt that the tournament really uh, started to get going. Audace Cerignola were drawn against Foggia in a, in a two-legged tie, which... From the moment it was drawn, it was clear it would be quite a, a tasty affair and it certainly turned out that way. Between two, the two sides, there's a rivalry there. Uh, certainly from the side of, of Cerignola, they, they consider Foggia, who are you know their kind of closest city as, as one of their, their biggest rivals. Foggia perhaps considered Cerignola a bit more like a little brother or a cousin, so they certainly didn't want to be embarrassed by them. But embarrassed they were in the first leg. Um, when Adachi Cerignola came out 3-0 winners. Um, so it looked like that had put the tie to bed. For safety reasons, there were no Foggia fans in the in the Cerignola stadium. And likewise, uh, Adachi Cerignola fans were banned from 
the Zakaria in, in Foggia. So what you had, because the fans were unable to voice their displeasure during the match at this 3-0 defeat, on the night of the, the game, when they came back into Foggia, you had supporters groups from Foggia um, storming the bus with uh, iron bars and, and flares and the like. That We can kind of place that with the wider context of trouble at the game, which it only came came to light later when Demba Tiam, the Foggia goalkeeper, was suspended for gesturing, gesturing to the crowd. Um, he came out later and said it was uh, a response to, to racist abuse, but it hasn't had an awful lot of, uh, of coverage. I think the, the match delegates didn't, uh, didn't pick that up or certainly didn't, didn't flag it, which is unfortunate. Uh, so the away leg, Fodja needed to win by, by three clear goals. Fodja had been awful during the first leg. Uh, they didn't look like it was possible, but they came back within the, part of the, the, the final 15 minutes, um, including two goals in, in injury time. They won it in the, in the 96th minute with a goal from, from central defender Ivan Kontek, someone who's not used to scoring goals. And obviously the uh, Stadio Zakaria exploded. It's, it's one of these stadiums, the Zakaria, where, uh, you know, the way they... they Refer to it is always as you know as a bulge coming from this this as Dante would, would called one of these uh, pits his pits of hell, um, and that's certainly how how it feels. And you can see it in the coverage that just the stadium shaking almost to the ground, which I suppose you know pits of hell is something you would expect from a, a team whose nickname is the Little Satans. So Fodja go into the the quarter final draw. They'll play Crotone, who were. Obviously, quite recently in, in Serie A, uh, they now don't have uh, many of the stars they, they had then. But it's a, a match Foggia could win. They're, they're one of only two teams, together with Captain Zaro, who, um, who managed to not only not get defeated by, by Crotone during the regular season, but to actually come out aggregate winners, let's say, from their, their two matches as they, uh, they beat Crotone in their, their home fixture. The other favourites, let's say, at this point, look to be Cesena, who still haven't haven't played. They travel first to Vicenza and then they'll, they'll host Vicenza in the second leg. And interestingly, the that's a match that the, the fans are are boycotting. But they're not boycotting it for the usual reasons of unhappiness with the board or with the managers, the players. They're boycotting it for humanitarian reasons. Um, they're saying that they don't feel it's right for them to spend part of their weekend on the terraces when they can be helping in the post-flooding effort in Romania, certainly for for the upcoming game against Vicenza, which is uh, certainly, especially after mentioning the events in Foggia, is quite a quite a heartwarming sentiment from them. Uh, the other two matches you have Lecco against Pordenone. Lecco, one of these teams with a, a Serie A pedigree from back in the 1960s, they'll be looking to get back in, into Serie B for the first time in, in several decades. And uh, the fourth match, quarter-final stage, is Pescara, who play Entella. Now, of course, at Pescara, you have Zdenik Zeman, his manager, who has, because Pescara entered in this third phase, this latest one, they've had a, a wee bit of time for Zeman to employ some of his more Stone Age uh, training me- methods. So, so Pescara should be well prepared for that. It's also quite fitting that they travel to, to Entella, because last season when Zeman was manager of Foggia, that's where he came unstuck. Foggia, uh, sorry, Zeman, in fact, 
had never, despite being a, a, a professional manager for, for more than 40 years, he had never take, take, taken part in playoffs of any kind until last season. And that's when with Fodjai started really well and then in a, quite a remarkable match, he they just couldn't get it done against quite a, a tough Virtus and side. So he'll be trying to make amends there. And I think that match, there's some there's something quite poetic about it as well, because obviously you have on one side Zeman and his a high energy, a all out attack football. And then the other side, you have former Sampdoria in Ganche, Gaston Ramirez, who'll be gallivanting around central midfield doing basically whatever he likes. He also scored a, a perler of a free kick this weekend. So I think that should be that should be quite tasty. And whoever comes out of that tie feature among the favourites for promotion to Serie B, together with a very strong, as I said, Chisena side and, and a strong Crotone side, which I, I wouldn't like to, to bet on, on who comes through that. Usually you have a surprise in getting, getting through this round as well. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if, if that comes through. It was so great to pick your brain, Andy, overall for Serie B and Serie C and Serie D. What a brain he is. What a personality he is. If you haven't checked him out yet, it's at Chiacchierata Calcistica. I will write that in the show description and you won't miss a beat from Andy. Also, thank you to Giancarlo Rinaldi for joining the show from the Rigore Pod, a Fiorentina and Venezia expert now. We're due for the first week of the playoffs, then the second, then the third with the Serie A promotion final. I'm David Farini, your Lega football host. Thanks for joining. We'll finish off with the official Serie B playoff promo. Hai atteso questo momento per un'intera stagione. Hai sognato di arrivare fin qui. In alcuni momenti ti sei sentito il più forte. Hai esultato a gol bellissimi. And off he goes. They have done it. Ti sei sentito imbattibile.